Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Coast to Coast podcast. My name is Kyle. And I'm Misha. And today we're going to be talking about Westworld Season 3, Episode 7, titled The Past Pawn. Uh, so what, what did you think, Kyle? What were your general thoughts on this week's episode? Yeah, so I'm glad that we actually finally got to understand who Caleb is. Um, we've been kind of like in and out of his narrative for the past six episodes and now we're finally understanding where he came from how he's living his life and obviously what he's going to do moving forward i thought th- that's really cool um i also thought they introduced a lot of cool ai weapons um which i enjoyed watching them in action what about you yeah i think the action sequences so far really there was like the car chase that i think it was like episode four the one where Caleb was basically tripping on that psychedelic drug where they showed kind of the use of technology in combat. And I think they took that to like another level in this episode, which I thought was cool. Um, I guess, like you said, we learned a lot more about Caleb, but to me, like the conclusion that we arrive at, I don't know if you'd call it like predictable, but it almost felt anticlimactic in a way. Um, and I guess mm-hmm. we'll kind of get into that when we get into the recap, but I, I feel like it's kind of been building to this point and following some of like the context clues that they give you, um, you know, mainly Liam Dempsey Jr.'s reaction when seeing Caleb's file uh, and some of the like flashbacks that we've seen of Caleb, you could kind of come to this conclusion yourself if you're, especially if you're one of the more experienced like Westworld theorists. Um, but I did like, it, it introduced kind of like some new characters, especially um, this like Solomon that we discover halfway through the episode. Um, mm-hmm. And it also brought back some characters that we haven't seen in a while. So it was, it was a cool episode. I would think like we called the last episode heady. I thought this one was pretty um, heady as well. Yeah. Usually with penultimate episodes, you kind of get a lot of, mm-hmm like just meat in the episode you get a lot of things happening that kind of set up this finale that's coming next week and i was a little um unsure of the direction like we're this late in the game and in the season and they kind of are taking like this detour to flesh out like this caleb origin story so i'm not sure if that was the correct move but i mean like you said, towards the end, we, it gets set up for another episode. I just don't know. I think next episode is going to have to be at least an hour and a half. I don't know if a regular hour and 10 minutes is going to really cut it. Yeah, either that or they're going to maybe rely on some sort of like cliffhanger and have a bulk of this story play out in season four. Mm-hmm. You know, But I, I think, like you said, it kind of thrusts Caleb more into the story and it, almost to the point where he becomes sort of this primary character or protagonist um and i guess that was what kind of rubbed me the wrong way with this episode because i think westworld kind of has this tradition of trying to outsmart it's like theorists um to the point where like i almost feel like you can't really feel any sort of empathy for any character because their motivations are so like muddled um and you're trying to like figure out who to root for but the showrunners keep throwing in these twists or like bringing new characters to the forefront where 
to me, I'm almost like apathetic about what happens to any of these characters. Yeah, and also, I don't know why it took me this long to realize it, but Francis is Kid Cudi. Did you know that? Yeah, I did know that. I didn't realize that until this episode. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I also kind of realized that I don't think I've ever really seen Kid Cudi's face without sunglasses on. That's also because, probably true. Like, I, I only knew that after reading into some of the early episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he did a decent job, I'd say, of acting. Yeah, I think so. I feel like action acting is one of the probably the easier ones to do because it's a lot of just like grunting and yelling and like shooting and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's Kid Cudi. Well, cool. Well, before we get into it, a quick, quick, a quick <laughs> message um, from one of our sponsors. All right, so let's get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, and there are a lot of developments in 307, so we're going to start with the recap. Uh, obviously, if you haven't seen it, there are going to be some spoilers as far as you know what goes on in the episode, so if you haven't seen it yet, go ahead and pause the podcast, come back later. Uh, but we start with a cold open. We see the Rehoboam circle, which has become kind of a staple throughout the show with a divergence in Jakarta. Uh, so Musashi Sato Dolores and his Yakuza crew are hiding out and Sato Dolores orders something delivered to a target, um, possibly an associate. He then receives a call from Holoris, who is seemingly disillusioned with Dolores's plan and has decided to quote unquote streamline operations. Clementine and Hanario, who is a character from the Shogun world, are revealed to be the hosts that were printed by Sirak to help Maeve and they kill Sato Dolores, saying that he's desecrated the real Musashi's image. Yeah, so... <clears throat> and that's the last we see of any of these characters. Right. And... In this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I guess means that they're, you know, going to be in the finale, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. um, So it, it, this is like one of those... AI weapons I thought were cool. I think it was like a briefcase that just turned into like a submachine gun. Yeah. Um, the aiming in this show has been pretty horrendous. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just don't I get why people can hit their targets. Yeah. Um, and then also what I think about in each episode is like what we don't know. Like how do you kill a host? Like we've seen them blown up in cars. We've seen them on yeah. fire. We've seen them shot. We've seen them stabbed through the the stomach maybe that i mean we kind of saw mave land the floor decommissioned her for a bit but still Mm -hmm. um she was back up and alive two episodes later so yeah it is confusing because we we sort of know that destroying their pearl does that like kind of means the end of a host unless their pearl gets reprinted um and they even had those like c4 things that stop them from escaping the park but Mm -hmm. if you think about when characters in westworld were playing out their loops if someone just got like shot in the chest, they were seemingly like dead, you know? Right. But yeah. in the real world, they're kind of like invincible. I don't know. You're right. There's, there's a little bit to be desired there in terms of continuity, but it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And then seeing Clementine back, um, that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, since I guess now we know who was in the, the other machines being made. Mm-hmm. It was them. Yeah. I think it's cool, like a kind of all-female crew to help Maeve in her mission. Mm-hmm. Um, although knowing where Maeve's storyline takes her in this episode, I was a little disappointed to not see either of these characters in 
in the episode later, like helping Maeve. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, like I said, I guess we'll see them next episode maybe, or maybe it was just yeah. some sort of fan service that they were just kind of giving us. Right. And we also sort of see this, this like disillusion. I think the other thing of note is the disillusionment on Haloris's part. So obviously she'd been in cahoots with Dolores up until this point, but is seemingly like, you know, kind of lost hope or motivation to work for Dolores and is now kind of on her own terms, her own agenda. So that in itself is another storyline that I doubt would be able to get played out in one episode in the finale. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we basically, we've got all these different factions now. And then that was kind of the part that I was speaking to in the beginning of this the show is it it's it seems like a lot <laughs> yeah 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 definitely a lot and then we have yeah like she said that she has a whole new plan and then mm-hmm. Maeve has her plan which we kind of see happen and now there's plans all over the place yeah so we'll see how all, those all come together yeah um so after the credits we see a series of flashbacks while Caleb is in therapy being questioned about the events surrounding Francis and his death. Uh, we kind of gloss over that pretty quickly and then get to another divergence in Sonora, Mexico. Dolores and Caleb are making their way on horseback and Caleb questions her about her revolution. She asserts that people still have a chance, or I guess like people, like humankind, still has a chance to chart their own course, but that they need a leader, suggesting that Caleb take those reins. He denies what she may have read about him in his file, and she lets him know that they're on the way to recover something of his. Yes. Uh, so by now, Caleb is aware that, like, of the fact that Dolores is a host, mm-hmm. and then she and then he asks her if she killed all those people in Westworld. Um, she she did, and you know she had to do what she had to do in order to survive. And like you mentioned, he kind of asks about the revolution that she plans on starting, and he seems he seems pretty hesitant about how many more people might actually die for her revolution to actually take place. Did you kind of mm-hmm. get that kind of? Yeah. Yeah. I, which was like seemingly the first like human thing that Caleb has done in his interactions with Dolores. Mm-hmm. Cause he's always kind of just like blindly done whatever she tells him to do. It seems like he's now questioning, you know, like what else has to be done. Um, did this scene remind you of the scene with Dolores and Teddy? Well, Basically after Dolores has become unhinged in season two? Yeah, well, I was going to say that we get a lot of parallels between Dolores and Caleb mm-hmm. and how they're both on these loops and their lives are kind of planned out and scripted for them and now they're both awoken and... But yeah, with the whole thing with Teddy, and unfortunately, I don't think Teddy was able to understand what was happening. Right. Um, but yeah, and it becomes more and more apparent to, especially through Caleb's flashbacks. Um, you can kind of, you can even if you had put it together in previous episodes, there were plenty of context clues throughout this episode leading to the climax, showing that Caleb essentially you know, killed his partner. Um, right. Well, it seems like this entire the entire point of this trip to Sonora was for Dolores to show Caleb, you know, who he was in his past and Mm -hmm. hope that he'll agree to lead this revolution after he knows the truth, which 
kind of makes him like the John Connor of Westworld. Yeah, or it even kind of alludes to the title of the episode, The Past Pawn, which essentially in chess is once a pawn unimpeded makes it to the other side of a chessboard, it can take uh, the form of one of your, um, like one of the better chess pieces. So it's like almost like Dolores is kind of, and he knows what is awaiting them in Sonora, mm-hmm. but is doing that willingly to sort of thrust Caleb into this leadership position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so they're making their way through the countryside. Uh, Bernard, Stubbs, and Williams. It's revealed that Williams' like mental health facility actually turns out to be in San Francisco. Um, William finds out that Sirac has successfully taken over Dallas, and he discovers that the re- real reason that Charlotte was using his blood was to track down this facility in Sonora, Mexico. Bernard also finds out that William is technically deceased. Yeah, that was interesting and curious, I would say. Um, I don't really understand why William is kind of going on this path to destroy all hosts, like especially Stubbs and Bernard. Like they've so far done nothing but only help him. And sure. like he learns, like he learns that Stubbs is a host. I guess he never knew that before, and he's like obviously and predictably, I guess, pretty disgusted with him and. It seems like, I mean, he's been helping him out through his entire Westworld time, and Bernard has also been on his side during Westworld, and now he's just saying, oh, well, I'm going to kill you, so you better kill me now. Yeah. I I sort of, like with other characters, kind of thought processes and motivations question first why William sees himself as the good guy especially after threatening to mop the floor with Charlotte's blood um, but also in that his conclusion is okay now I'm the good guy it means I should kill all the hosts <laughs> Right. Um, it seems like his time in therapy really didn't like get him to the point where he could reconcile all of the other really bad things that he did including kind of his aberrant behavior with the hosts uh, killing his own daughter it seems like maybe like a more logical way for him to atone for what he's done is just like, uh, like acknowledge the bad things that he's done and maybe just like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just don't see how like killing all the hosts is his way of coming clean and becoming the good guy. Yeah. It, it doesn't really make sense. Um, but what does make sense in this show? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so anyways, we return to Caleb's flashbacks of him and his unit uh, being deployed to Crimea, hunting down insurgents during the Russian Civil War, again using AR glasses and crazy precise satellite drone strikes. Uh, he recalls how their squad was attacked and how he and Francis tracked down the leader of the insurgency, but his te- therapist tells him to start again from the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. I did think this was cool. Like the the use of technology is a cool thread um, throughout the show, and aside from the more thematic elements of this episode, it was interesting to see the use of those like AR glasses and how like the back of someone's shoulder could basically biometrically identify somebody. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you like paused your screen at all when the, he was looking through these AR glasses, but. 
it essentially had like the likelihood of the collateral damage from the strikes like hmm. civilians or uh, structural damage or things like that um, so I feel like I don't know too much about what kind of technology is out there today but it doesn't, doesn't feel too uh, unrealistic or like too far from what the truth of what the future might hold right right yeah it was it was pretty intense um you know like you said running those special ops during that russian civil war um mm -hmm. and then unfortunately you know his whole team became targets and as we find out everyone but caleb and francis were killed and then they got honorably discharged and is this the scene where they go after the head of the insurgency um that's, that's later yeah i think that is a little bit later okay but yeah now they plan yeah, on yeah. taking out the head of the insurgency mm -hmm. um yeah and, and what's what's interesting too is they talk about how they were ambushed they sort of show that part in this scene um and you basically like kind of see his teammates sort of ambiguously get blown up but you don't really see by who or how you you just sort of see caleb's reaction to it um and we understand that he's been reconditioned in a way his memory has been altered but you know up until that point that was all reality so it's interesting to think like was it really insurgents or was it possibly you know like Sirach's system like the like the intelligence from this quant quote unquote that is it like basically telling them what missions they're going on mm -hmm. um sort of in its own way tying up loose ends yeah yeah that's a good point um so in the next scene we see caleb and dolores infiltrate this mexican facility using a drone assisted sniper rifle thingy uh, once inside caleb recognizes he begins to recognize it as the place where he underwent therapy dolores reveals that the facility is actually home to the predecessor of rehoboam called Solomon, which has apparently inherited some of the schizophrenic qualities of Sirach's brother. Dolores has seemingly come to enlist Solomon's help in disrupting the world order that it helped create, and Solomon alludes to Caleb's reconditioning therapy as one of the first in the facility. It basically says that the efficacy rate is only 1 in 10, so Dolores says, let's show him what happens to the other 9. Hmm. Yeah, I'm still... I'm still confused on what Serac has in store for the finale. Um, and it seems like his plans have like contingencies and those contingencies have always had other contingencies. And, and now he has like a whole mess of people gunning for him and yeah. And Dolores and Caleb are smashing up his facilities and trying to undo all of his life life's work. Um, it just seems like it's going to get very exciting because you have all these different factions like we kind of talked about before, all going mm -hmm. at each other and then all going at Sirach to kind of see what's going to happen with well, essentially humanity. Yeah. And it's interesting because you got to kind of ask like what exactly is Sirach's motivation. We know now that he's got the data that he's going to be doing something with it. And I think Dolores in this episode even alludes to why he needs this like high fidelity biometric data mm -hmm. um which i believe she mentioned was like basically filling in the blanks for the people that the reconditioning therapy didn't work for mm. or possibly just like further in, like 
eliminating outliers in general. Yeah. The, uh, the one thing about <laughs> that really struck me about this scene was as much like technology as there is in the future that seemingly makes things secure, it definitely seems lawless. Like you can basically just like hack into everything and bypass every security system. <laughs> right. Like Serac's facility was apparently like only guarded by six people. Mm -hmm. um, and then after Dolores like takes him out, her virtual assistant just like quote unquote bypasses the system very vaguely. They just like walk into the place. Yeah. Yeah, I guess maybe. I guess one of two things. One, they're just that dumb, or they mm -hmm. kind of planned for this to happen and are kind of letting them waltz in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true because I guess Serac would seemingly see what all these future outcomes are like. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought it was funny that. Um, when they were talking to Solomon, they like had the option mm -hmm. to choose which voice, and yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> why would they choose like the dumb default voice? I would have tried to like, I guess, made it funny, but you do it in Bugs Bunny voice. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, <laughs> that'd be funny. <laughs> like choose a voice, and okay, uh, can you do Bugs Bunny? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> how's your Bugs Bunny impersonation? Yeah. Um, yeah. I I actually did find. I found the dialogue between Solomon, who I'm, I'm assuming the voice probably comes from this Jean-Mi, the brother of Serac. Yeah, um, a little fringe to it. Yeah. But you've kind of made the running joke that Dolores takes pretty much every opportunity to tell people how they're not so different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and she basically tries the same thing on Solomon. And he sort of like in his own robot way kind of roast her. <laughs> he was like, you and I are not alike in any meaningful way. Yeah, I think and, that was the funniest part of the episode for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, she tried it on Solomon, and he wanted no part of it at all. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have, I think she says it as well, too. She probably says it to everyone this episode, and this is <laughs> one of the things that we talked about last time, like mm -hmm. where this line always comes up. But, like, yeah, Solomon shut her down, Maeve shut her down. Um, so that was that's always funny. Yeah, it's like maybe come up with some new lines, right? <laughs> um, the 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 big question I had when Dolores basically comes in and starts like narrating to Caleb is how does she understand what is happening at the facility and like what has happened in the past? Like, what where does that knowledge come from? In the in his past, well. She seemingly like walks. Well, first of all, she knows she had Halora's look for this facility, and then once they found it, she like knew its entire past. Mm. Do you feel like it was just from reading Caleb's file, or like how did, did she hack into the mainframe? Like what? <laughs> yeah, like how does she know this facility exists where they did AR treatments on outliers? Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm not sure you can get all that from one person's file. Right. But if she is able to store so much data in her brain, then maybe, you know, like when she reads the books about people, mm -hmm. she, like, knows everything about them. Maybe it's just, like, I don't know. She just ingested all this data about, I don't know, some facility that Caleb has been to. and Sure. I don't know. 
Yeah, not sure. Anyways. They don't make it clear to us. Right. Too much. It's a need to know thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so while Caleb and Dolores are coming to their own conclusions, uh, Bernard, Stubbs, and William are arriving at the same one. Uh, with William basically being one of those people who the reconditioning therapy did not work for. Uh, those people are all declared dead, while, which is why William was, you know, determined as deceased. While the ones who are determined to be less of a threat to society are all returned to society. Um, they put together the pieces that Sirach was trying to reprogram humans like Host, thus why he needed the data from Westworld. They discover that Caleb, who they encountered at the auction, was one of the successfully reconditioned humans. Bern William makes it outside of the facility and shares with Bernard and Stubbs that he's found his purpose and that he only committed one original sin, helping to create Dolores, Bernard, and the whole lot of hosts. He states that his mission is now to destroy all the hosts from the face of the earth. Yeah. Um, yeah, he says he knows his purpose. He says he's wronged a lot of people. He hurt the ones that he loved the most. Um, um, again, the original sin is them being racist. He goes like, he, he goes all like full robot racist is what I put in my notes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there can only be one perfect race. So to me, it's like, so to like William is totally a host, right? Like this is leading to mm -hmm. a realization that he himself is a host at which at, at this point he is literally the thing that he hates the most. And like the real William is still locked up inside a Westworld somewhere, right? What what makes you come to the conclusion that he's a host? It just it seems like he, after their conversations about, um, you know him being technically dead. Yeah, I guess you mm -hmm. can just mark someone as being dead. But if he was technically dead and he was left and he's been doing these AR treatments to kind of condition himself for mm -hmm. his his loop quote-unquote right um and then now he just done like a complete it seems like 180 from helping build this park and having these robots exist to where now he just wants to wipe every one of them off the face of the earth sure yeah i guess so i didn't necessarily take it as th that maybe he's a host although him saying with so much conviction that he's the good guy and he now has to kill every host would be a really great way to get ready to like reveal him as a host. The reason I understand that he got marked as deceased was because of the way Sirach's program of reprogramming humans worked, where any of the ones that didn't successfully get reconditioned would get marked as like dead and put into that like facility in Sonora, which was basically like where they put the hosts in Westworld when they were misbehaving. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, nevertheless, like you said, there's definitely a lot of parallels, I think really strongly between season one and season three still. Um, we saw a lot earlier in this season, and we, we even saw, like I mentioned earlier, the like, the way Caleb and Dolores are riding over that hill talking about the revolution was very similar to Dolores and Teddy. Um, and this sort of like realization that 
they're essentially reprogramming humans was a lot like uh, season one as well. Yeah, do you think that um, with Dolores kind of like on this hunt for Serac and mm-hmm. like what like I know I know her end game is to like ruin humanity, but like what what about after that? Have have we picked up on anything about okay, say she does succeed in her plan, then what? Mm-hmm. They just like all live happily in this new world. Right. Well, that was even like the opening line of the look at next week was like, what do you, what happens after the end of the world? Um, to me, like Dolores' strongest motivation seems to be like freeing people from enslavement. Mm -hmm. She did that with the hosts. And then I think her goal was to create like a world for the hosts outside of Westworld or for the, yeah, for the hosts outside of Westworld. But it's almost like that's changed. And now she just wants to free people right just people in general um, yeah because she sees how how much they are like hosts and she is like a very compassionate she like her nature is very compassionate so she sort of sees the way that Sirak is treating humans much like Dallas was treating hosts and wants to free them from that enslavement as well it's basically just like a carbon copy of Westworld yeah mm-hmm. do we know the valley of the beyond is gone to me, the, is the Valley of the Beyond, is that where Dolores sent the the host? It was sort of like their, like, heaven, where she sent that Indian dude and made his daughter. Yeah, they all, like, ran through the original, like, Windows XP desktop mm-hmm. wallpaper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, seemingly, those people are still there because I think that's what Maeve is fighting for. Just access to them. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Because now uh, Serac basically has dominion over all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe. Right. Um, there was another really funny part in this sequence with Bernard, William, and Stubbs, um, where William's basically like, "You guys better kill me, or I'm gonna kill you anyways." And he sort of walks off, mm-hmm. and Stubb is Stubbs is just like huffing and puffing like a frustrated teenager because <laughs> he just wants to like off William. Right. And he's like looking to Bernard for help, and he's like, "Well, we we might need him." And he's like so disappointed. Yeah, I don't know why they need William, but I'm sure we'll find out. Maybe he is a host, like you said. That's what I'm thinking. Anyways, so uh, we then see another of Caleb's flashbacks of him and Francis. Uh, being ambushed while extracting the insurgent leader that they intercepted um, and Francis is killed uh, in a gunfight. His therapist probes further, asking who killed him. Meanwhile, in the present, Caleb and Dolores discover underground where the program keeps those who don't get successfully reconditioned, kept there to prevent them from interfering with Sirach's idyllic society. Solomon reveals that Caleb and Francis were actually instrumental in rounding up the outliers after being honorably discharged, and that Serac was behind the blockchain crime app. The memory of the quote-unquote insurgent leader was actually the kidnapping of a pharmaceutical bigwig that told Caleb and Francis who they were working for. Um, so this was definitely like the big reveal of the episode. Yeah. Yeah, so it shows that... Um, Caleb 
of course, again, is living this loop similar to mm-hmm. how Dolores was in season one and two. Um, I guess maybe just season one. But right. pretty much just how... And, and Bernard says it later on that she's built with like this poetic sensibility where she's not going to destroy the mm-hmm. humans. She's going to get a human to destroy the humans, <laughs> being Caleb. And and we see that later on in the, in the episode that that's exactly what's happening is she's getting him ready for this revolution to understand that this machine and this person, Serac, has been pretty much controlling and tormenting his life ever since he came back from overseas and she's just trying to open his eyes more to say yeah. you know you you didn't kill i mean you did kill francis but you wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for Sirac and these, right. these um, you weren't you weren't things. the force behind it yeah exactly and it was basically like Sirac's system based like tying up these loose ends mm-hmm. um yeah I, I found it to be like a really tragic realization that um, you know, it's not necessarily the truth that Caleb thinks he's been living for so long. Um, but to me, again, you, you could have kind of come to this conclusion or at least theorized it somewhere throughout the season. Um, it, it felt a little anticlimactic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the main thing I noticed about this scene was it gave me really, it felt a lot, it felt similar to some of the themes from Barry a show that I know both you and I watch. I don't know if you got the same sense watching this. Yeah, where you just have <clears throat> the former military members and they have no real path to their future. So what do they do best mm-hmm. is what they're going to do. Yeah, trying to find normalcy, something that they, they've known as normal, this sort of violence um, that's normal to them. But... Not only that, but there are kind of themes throughout, especially, I think, the second season of Barry. I, the, I get the seasons kind of mixed up, but mm-hmm. um, Barry almost sorts of li- sort of lies to himself about the, the kind of events from his past, especially his military past overseas. Um, and, you know, Caleb isn't necessarily altering his own memory in sort of a suppressive sort of way, but they're both sort of living lives without sort of the full truth behind you know what have kind of been formative times for themselves i just thought i thought it was interesting and kind of uh interesting like parallels between the two shows Mm -hmm. for sure both on hbo we get a bunch of hbo crossovers (laughs) yeah um so uh after this pretty big reveal we see that mave has arrived at the facility blacked out looking good Mm -hmm. uh Dolores asks Solomon to remember the last strategy that Jean-Mi, Sirach's brother, proposed while she buys him time to generate it. Um, basically, the strategy that is most conducive to starting a revolution. She suggests that Caleb leads no matter what the strategy is. Maeve and Dolores face off, with Dolores essentially questioning why Maeve is working for the humans, and while Maeve asserts that Dolores just wants to enslave everyone to her cause, even though enslavement is what she's trying to end. Um, pretty cool action scene. Yeah. At first I didn't realize that Solomon is being held like in this facility due to this large military grade EMP kind of standing by. So like, that's kind of why he was stuck here 
yeah. he being a robot, I guess. Kind of missed that detail, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Maeve comes back with her sword. That's really cool to see. Again, they both mm-hmm. use like these pretty crazy technologies to kind of fight each other. Um, but yeah. again, Dolores gets her arm cut off, but that didn't stop her. Yeah, actually, let me let me get through this part of the the recap as well, and we can kind of just talk about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Caleb essentially questions Salmon about Francis, and it's revealed that Sirach's system has a way of tying up loose ends, and that the system had offered Francis a large sum of money to kill Caleb for learning too much. As they're leaving with Whitman, the target, Caleb receives a similar offer, and he questions Francis how much. Francis answers, enough, and Caleb kills him. Salmon reveals that Dolores' strategy for revolution is ready. Meanwhile, in the fight against Maeve, Dolores gets her arm blown off, and as Maeve's getting ready to kill her, Dolores activates the EMP, killing them both. Before it goes off, Caleb demands how to kill Sirach from Solomon, and Solomon helps him, but not before getting cut off in the middle of giving him a warning. Um, so I think you were kind of mentioning the, the use of the technology in both both parts of Dolores and Maeve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the the drone and then the automatic fifty caliber sniper that just mm-hmm. kind of locks in. Looks pretty cool. Yeah, that sort of had the the little GoPro drone as its buddy, right. kind of calling the shots. Yeah. Um, to me, this would have been a cool place to see Maeve's like bad girl crew all kind of go at Dolores together. I don't know if you kind of felt that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but after the episode, they, they kind of talk about how the show made it a point that it was going to be a showdown between these two after kind of coming, their storylines coming together after a whole season. Yeah, and then again, you had Dolores trying to convince Maeve that their interests are aligned and that they are, mm-hmm. you know, alike. And, of course, Maeve is just looking after some of the other hosts, and then she really just wants her daughter back essentially or to be with her daughter yeah. and Dolores makes the comment that if they can't be free in this world then they can't be free in any world and and Maeve just isn't buying that and she says that they're nothing alike and like you said they have a pretty brutal fight and I think it's one of the show's best this season yeah um <clears throat> really cool hand to hand um and the use of the technology yeah between the two of them is really cool um, the CGI of like her arm getting blown off was pretty cool although that sort of like loss of limb CGI there's something uncanny about it that can never quite I feel like get super close to reality um, yeah so I don't a, it was a lot of fun yeah I also I've seen a lot of war movies and I've played war games and I, maybe I don't understand how an EMP works so it goes off and it just it just disrupts anything like the the magnetic magnetic field between anything electronic. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily know what, what it exactly does either, but yeah, EMP stands for electromagnetic pulse, and basically disables electronic devices within a certain radius of wherever the epicenter of the pulse mm-hmm. is coming from. Gotcha. And then we saw that drone robot walk up to Caleb and tell him he has some instructions for him. So mm-hmm. is this? So now Solomon is now free, I guess, because the EMP is gone. Well, I think in that instance, it was Dolores' virtual assistant who's been helping her. Oh, I thought it was like a transfer. 
Yeah, I, I think when the EMP goes off that it also disables Solomon. Mm, that's why he has the flash drive thing. Right. Okay. Yeah, basically handed over the whole strategy and apparently the dummy's guide to how to kill Angurad Serac yeah. in yeah. there as well. Um, Roll credits. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if you caught this, but on the outside, basically in the outside environment where Dolores and Maeve are facing off, right at the beginning, uh, you see the words divergence basically like painted on the side of the building. Mm-hmm. And it almost makes you, you wonder, like, was it Sol- Solomon or Rehoboam that you're seeing with all these, like, divergence uh, transition scenes with, like, the circle and stuff? Um, right. Because it could, it could almost be said that, like, divergence is the name of this, pro- like, reconditioning program. Yeah, um, so, so it's I- almost kind of interesting because we don't really get a lot of insight into Rehoboam as an AI. We just kind of know what it does. But right. Solomon definitely has, it seems like, a personality. And he's mm-hmm. certainly in the business of reconditioning people and having the most control. Yeah. Where, um, uh, yeah. And it, I think another really intriguing thing is that, you know, this sort of warning that we miss as he gets cut off. Mm-hmm. Any theories there? Yeah. Um, he says, I have to, what does he say exactly? But I have to warn you. He asked him, I'm pretty sure, but I think it was right after he asked about killing Ciroc. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but I do have to warn you. And then just, he's a robot. <laughs> Ciroc. <laughs> Could be. No, that would be no. the ultimate, he's a robot yeah. twist. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. yeah My sure. first thought, random, maybe just like some trick up Ciroc's sleeve to look out for or. Yeah, it's his. It seems like his main trick this season has been being in places where he's not actually there, mm, using those yeah. glasses or being his holographic self, um, where he's just sort of gain intelligence. Yeah, and it, obviously we think he's there as the viewer, and then the characters in the scene think he's there, but then it's mm-hmm. again revealed to both of us that he's not actually there. So that could definitely come into play during the season finale i think yeah some sort of like smoke and mirrors yeah the way of drawing maybe drawing people into a trap or escaping what they seem to think might be like a final blow to him or something right yeah Hmm. um cool so uh in the final kind of very brief scene before the credits bernard essentially theorizes that caleb is dolores's plan and that he'll be the one to destroy humanity william then holds the two at gunpoint and he sort of tells them that he told them he was going to kill them. Caleb discovers Dolores' body, and her vir- virtual assistant greets him, telling him that he has some information for him. And we know that his, he shoots them. William shoots Bernard. We know bullets don't stop robots. That's true. So I don't know. And we and on the next time on little clip, we do see William shooting the shotgun. Yeah, that's true. In the like, re- in the look into the next episode. Yeah, we don't see who, like, what happens with that, but we do see him yeah. firing the shotgun. Um, I'm not gonna. I don't think that's how Bernard and Stubbs go out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be interesting. Yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of disappointed with uh, the like preview of next week's finale. 
because I don't know if you also saw that Dolores and Maeve are also yeah like, parts of the finale. Uh-huh. So it was like, all right, well then, like that makes their death so much more meaningless, and like we know we're going to see them next week. Mm-hmm. You could have like cut it in a way that didn't give as much away. Right, and so I guess some final thoughts for me is mm-hmm. that as big of a fan as I was with the first few episodes of the season, the last couple have kind of lost me a bit and yeah. it feels like each episode ends with a really exciting setup, but the next episode is just more setup. And yeah, like remember when I felt like we were headed towards like a big Bernard versus Dolores showdown. Mm-hmm. And then like, remember when Bernard was actually like a main character on this show and yeah. it feels it feels like the central conflicts and themes are solid, but it feels like we're going in circles to get to like Dolores's plan or Dolores versus Maeve or Dolores versus Serac or whoever Dolores else. Dolores Yeah, all this stuff. And it's like this week's episode, while it was engrossing, was ultimately like an hour long, like I said earlier, detour into Caleb's and origin confusing. story. Confusing as hell too. Right, and while it certainly looks like Caleb may be a major piece of this puzzle going forward for the series, um, which it's now been renewed for season four, that came out. Um, An origin story coming so late in the season kind of, I think, halts the momentum that was building Mm. the last two or three episodes. Sure. Yeah, and again, I think it's just like, (laughs) I don't think there's anything wrong with conventional storytelling. Um, yeah, I feel like Westworld kind of built its foundation on being this kind of mind-bending show where there's going to be twists that you won't see coming. And then once like Reddit and the rest of the internet kind of caught up to their twists, they were like, all right, we have to, just have to outsmart everybody at every turn. Mm-hmm. Now this person's the protagonist. We set up the exposition for this next character and then like just leave you with like tons of questions until the season finale where they kind of just like, explain things away in these sort of like I wouldn't say cheap ways, but it's just like at this point, I would just appreciate some consistency in terms of, you know, characters' motivations and which characters are on which sides. Right. Yeah. Because it's just getting so hard to follow and just like a headache to try to explain on the show. (laughs) And yeah, I I think they're just trying to do too much with it. Mm Mm-hmm. But like I said, they're going to need – it's going to be longer than an, uh, an hour for next episode because there's a lot to unpack and a lot of different things happening. And unless they just kind of start mm-hmm. it off with a bang, like this episode just starts with the, everyone's mobs rolling deep and fighting <laughs> each other. <laughs> right. Which I, I wouldn't mind some mindless action scenes to start next episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, there was one thing that I didn't really catch until the episode was over, but right after the credits, when we first see the kind of like quick flashing flashback that Caleb's having, there's a few sequences, um, of Caleb shooting somebody with like a, with like an armored vest in the middle of what seems like some American street. There's like American flags everywhere. Maybe it's like a 4th of July celebration or or something like that. And the streets are somewhat suburban. And 
we don't really see that revealed when they make the reveals about what was really happening to Caleb and Francis. Um, so to me, I think maybe there's some, some, there, there's more to be revealed about Caleb's story. Mm-hmm. Um, and namely, and one thing that I think really, um, like solidifies that for me is, I don't know if you saw the like readout of Caleb and Francis's log on the Rico app of like what jobs they'd done successfully or failed at. Mm -hmm. But one of them that they succeeded at was domestic terrorism. Hmm. Um, So I feel like we're we're probably going to see more about what Caleb's past looked like. Yeah. Yeah. Or, Or maybe it's irrelevant and they just didn't get to it in the episode. Yeah, and at first, I guess, no, I I thought a poetic sensibility meant being able to look at, like, this metaphorical cloud and kind of see the fleeting nature of, like, this existence that people are living. But if Bernard says it means, like, tricking a human into blowing up humanity, then maybe it's not the route I thought Dolores was going to be going down. Sure. Um, and I guess, you know, we humans are, I guess, stupid compared to AI beings after all. <laughs> or poetic sensibility means something different to, to robots than humans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, like I said, it'll be interesting season finale. Um, and we'll just have to wait until next week, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And I think we also have a little bit of listener mail this week. Yes, yes. So um, thanks again for Landon sending in this listener mail piece. Again, you can do that on anchor.fm slash podcast, or you can just tweet or DM us on Twitter at C2C Podcasting. Um, and his question to us is, how many times per year do you think you sit around and daydream about what you would do if you were a billionaire? I catch myself hmm. thinking about it at least once a week, maybe more. I bet if I added it all up, it would be over 24 hours of the year. Um, so did you have what any you kind of, well, for me, so <laughs> this question actually comes at a pretty good time because you got your stimulus check. I got my stimulus check. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I, aside from watching all the shows that I normally have watched, I'm diving into the world of billions on Showtime. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, right. I'm living pretty much a billionaire's life every night when I watch that show, all the cars. So you don't have to daydream about it. You just, it's yeah. there for you. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, I watch an hour of it every day. So, um, <laughs> so I guess that's seven hours that's a week. Yeah. yeah. But it's cool. Um, I mean, if I was a, billionaire uh, also watching the the show billions it's really like it's hard for me to wrap my mind around a billion dollars right like you it's think a lot of money yeah like you think how much a million dollars is and yeah, then just you, think about how much a million would change your life right now right and then you get to like a hundred million and that a hundred million is only a tenth of a billion yeah i think like probably most prominent professional athletes like say like a lebron he's probably worth like 100 200 million yeah yeah no i think what is like jay-z is a billionaire jay-z is a billionaire kanye is a billionaire now lebron might be like with endorsements and stuff yeah 
Um, but still, a billion dollars like is four hundred fifty million, I think. Yeah, like and then that. you have like the complete other spectrum, like Jeff Bezos, who's worth like two hundred billion. Yeah, and then you think of that, and it's just like disgusting math if you break it down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just probably, you know, have a cool house, cool car, <laughs> and pay off all yeah. my debt. Well, like you said, it's really hard to imagine what that would be like. A and B, how you would react upon getting all that much money. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like to answer your question directly, Landon, I don't know how much time per year I think about being a millionaire. It's kind of like a fleeting thought that comes to me every now and then. I'd say your mm-hmm. 24 hours of the year is probably pretty accurate. Um, I try not to think about it too much because a wise man once said that comparison is the thief of joy. So I think thinking about it too much, mm-hmm. you know, it could, it could be a good goal. Say like your, your goal managing your money is to get to like a million dollars. So that's a good goal. Yeah. Um, and something that I think is feasible for uh, probably a lot of America. Um. But when it comes to a billion dollars, yeah, I mean, I never I, think that high. No, I, I see the <laughs> I see the billboards on like the side of the road, and like Mega Millions is like twenty million. I'm like, oh, I wish I had twenty million dollars. I, I definitely daydream about it, you know. Like I said, fleetingly. But the thing that I think about the most is like what I would do with it, because um, you know you see sometimes in the, in the news like a billionaire donates a million dollars to a charity and someone's like, well, that's only like, that would be like me getting $1 to a homeless person. And you think about it, like, would you, like, how would you feel in that position? Like he, I think anybody would say, oh yeah, I'd, I'd end world hunger if I was just Jeff Bezos or I'd uh, give everyone universal healthcare or whatever. But I think it's harder once you have that wealth, you know? Um, I don't really know. So, so, but I think I know. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's probably not great to think about, and it's probably not feasible for most of the world. Um, but it's a good fantasy to have pop in your head every now and then. Yeah. So good luck, Landon. If you yeah, good luck, buddy. Do become a billionaire. Remember us. You can support us. At <laughs> <laughs> uh, anchor.fm slash subscriptions, I think. <laughs> Um, but anyway, thanks again for listening to us um, on this exclusive deep dive of Westworld episode seven of season three. Um, we will be back next week with the season finale of what's going to happen and then maybe our thoughts on what's going to be coming in season four. Probably that won't come out for another two years, I'm guessing. You would think. Yeah. Um, with everything that's going on. But. We have plenty of other things on our show. We've talked about the platform on Netflix. We've talked about um, The Last Dance. We do dual episodes of that because it comes out on Sundays um, at 9. Episodes 1 and 2 we've done already. We are be releasing 3 and 4 later this week. So stay connected. Stay up to date. And for now, we will talk at you next week. See you then. All right. Bye. <laughs>